This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. We study verse by verse through the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. Let's start today by listening through Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. He came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewess who believed, but his father was Greek. The brothers who were at Lystra and Iconium gave a good testimony about him. Paul wanted to have him go out with him, and he took and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. All right, flipping the page. Today we're in Acts chapter 16. Let's go back, starting at verse 1. He came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewess who believed, but his father was a Greek. The brothers who were at Lystra and Iconium gave a good testimony about him. Paul wanted to have him go out with him. He took and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. All right, so they came to Derby. If you will recall from Acts 14, verse 21, Paul and Barnabas preached the good news there and made many disciples. Now, presumably, they're going to go check in on these new converts to see how they're doing. Some Bible scholars estimate that Paul undertook this second missionary journey about five years after the first missionary journey finished. So it's been quite some time. I'm guessing Paul was fairly excited and anxious to see what had come of those gospel seeds planted years prior. Was the church healthy and thriving? How many of those early converts had remained faithful? Had the church grown? Were there false teachings that had crept into the church? Now, in addition to Derby, Paul also visited Lystra again. It was in Lystra, on the first missionary journey, where a crowd decided Paul and Barnabas must have been like pagan gods and tried to honor them as such. Remember, because of the miracle worked at their hand in healing a cripple. And this was the same crowd who shortly thereafter stoned Paul at the provocation of the opposing Jews described in Acts 14, verses 8 through 19. So while in Lystra, Paul runs into this guy named Timothy. His mom was a Jew, and his dad was a Greek. Paul will take Timothy under his wing and prepare him to be a leader in the church. Paul, for example, in 1 Timothy 1-2, addresses Timothy as my true son in the faith, Scholars guess the young man was probably like late teens, maybe early 20s, when he joined Paul. We learn in verse 2 of this chapter here in Acts 16 that the brothers who were at Lystra and Iconium gave a good testimony about him. Timothy, as young as he was, stood out among the elders of the church as faithful. Maybe he and perhaps his mother and grandmother heard Paul preach the first time through the area five or so years prior, and became believers then. But we don't really know for sure. What we do know, according to Paul's writings, 
is that Timothy had a genuine faith, the same as that which lived in his mother and grandmother. We also learn from 2 Timothy 3.15 that Eunice and Lois had prepared the soil of Timothy's heart from an early age, teaching him the Old Testament scriptures from infancy, making him wise for salvation through faith in Christ. As time goes on, Timothy will end up serving as Paul's representative, so to speak, to several churches. For example, to the Corinthian church, Paul wrote, Because of this, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways which are in Christ, even as I teach everywhere in every assembly. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered up when I know how you're doing. So in other words, Timothy would end up being like Paul's right-hand man, a trusted messenger, representative, and steward of the gospel to the churches. Later, he'll become a pastor in Ephesus. So here in Acts chapter 16 begins an incredible lifelong discipleship relationship between two incredible men of faith. Maybe this ends up being the type of mentorship relationship Paul was originally hoping to develop with John Mark that never really came to fruition on the first missionary journey. Timothy and Paul were gonna become like <laughs> peanut butter and jelly, peas and carrots. I mean, these guys must have been together quite a bit. So much so that Timothy is mentioned as being with Paul when Paul wrote several New Testament letters, including 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and Philemon. It's apparent Paul will grow to absolutely love Timothy, investing so much into this young man over the years. In our own Christian walk, we can maybe ask, who are the Pauls and Timothys in our life? Do we seek out mentorship from older, mature Christians in the faith who can teach and encourage us through their experience and wisdom? Are we seeking out younger people in the faith who need discipleship and encouragement? Are we investing into the next generation of Christians who will someday lead, serve, and preach? All right, back to Acts chapter 16, verse 3. Paul wanted to have him go out with him, and he took and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Paul had lost Barnabas and Mark, but now he's gained Titus and Timothy. God often provides just what we need right when we need it. We shouldn't think ourselves irreplaceable. When someone falls away or a new need arises, God often chooses a replacement or raises up additional laborers to fulfill the call. Now Paul ended up circumcising Timothy. Why on earth would he do that? We know it wasn't because he thought Timothy needed it to be right with God. Paul would write in Romans 2 verse 28, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. And Paul wrote passionately to the Galatian Judaizers, But if I, brothers, 
still preach circumcision? Why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. In fact, in that context, he refuses to let Titus, who is full Greek, be circumcised in Galatians 2, verses 3-5. through Paul had strong feelings against those false brothers who preached physical circumcision as a necessary prerequisite for salvation. He didn't want in any way to align with that by allowing Titus to be circumcised. And we know Paul had been sent by the Jerusalem council to spread the report of the decision reached by the Jerusalem apostles and elders, this being that the Gentiles didn't have to be circumcised and keep the whole of the Mosaic law. So in light of this, why would he then have Timothy get circumcised? Luke writes in verse 3 that Paul circumcised Timothy because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Timothy's mother, on the other hand, was Jewish and raised Timothy from his youth under the Torah. In other words, Timothy was already very Jewish by race and training and likely wasn't circumcised in his youth only because of his Greek father. Secondly, here in Acts 16, unlike in Galatians, Paul isn't dealing with pressures to cater to false brothers who are attempting to distort the gospel of the grace of God, but rather he's dealing with non-Christian Jews they were trying to convert to Christ. So circumcising Timothy was like a missionary strategy. We can keep in mind Paul's ministry method according to 1 Corinthians 9 verses 19 to 22. For though I was free from all, I brought myself under bondage to all, that I might gain the more. To the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I may gain those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I have become as weak, that I might gain the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I may by all means save some. Timothy's circumcision would remove some roadblocks in their ministry efforts toward the Jews. Bible commentator Bruce puts it this way, By Jewish law, Timothy was a Jew because he was the son of a Jewish mother, but because he was uncircumcised, he was technically an apostate Jew. If Paul wished to maintain his links with the synagogue, he could not be seen to countenance apostasy. Timothy was willing to surrender his rights for the perceived benefit of others. Was Timothy free in Christ not to get circumcised? Yes. If he had told Paul no to circumcision, did he have the right to do that? And would he have been justified in not allowing Paul to have him circumcised? Yes, of course. And yet Timothy was willing to surrender his right not to be circumcised because he wanted to do everything in his power alongside Paul to try and win the Jews to Christ. Now Paul, regarding Titus and Galatians, refused to have him circumcised. Paul said, For freedom Christ has set us free. 
Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. There are times we need to stand firm in our freedom and rights as Christians so as not to become enslaved by others who want to put us under the yoke of, for example, Old Covenant ritual. There are other times the Holy Spirit may call us to surrender certain rights in pursuit of loving others for the sake of Christ. So what rights and freedoms do we hold dear as Christians? Do we love Christ and others to surrender our rights at times if the situation calls for it? Because we love the brothers? Because we want to see others won over to Christ? Because we want to remove stumbling blocks that can be a hindrance for the gospel? For example, I'm free in Christ to drink coffee pretty much whenever I want and wherever I want. But if I'm trying to win over a Mormon to Christ, it might not be the best idea to talk religion over a cup of coffee if you knew it'd offend him or cause him to judge you. Am I free in Christ to drink wine? In so much as I don't get drunk? I'd say sure I am. Is it the best idea to drink wine out at dinner with a recovering alcoholic, though, who's vowed a life of abstinence to alcohol? Probably not. will all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. If you possess all knowledge, understand all mysteries, you're just a clinging symbol, without love you are nothing, without love you gain nothing.
That was Four by This from the Adams Road album Son of Man. Don't you think that I look 
into your eyes all the while whose face did you think that I was looking into when I was hanging on the cross whose life did you think was passing right before my eyes as I paid your That was I Would Die For You, from the Adams Road album, Son of Man. This is the Adams Road podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com. Again, that's AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Join us next episode as we examine Acts chapter 16, verses 4 through 10. Grace and peace be with you all.